1: back for another episode of the blitz podcast. I am Steve Gallo. I will not try to do my best impression of Chris Collinsworth last night. Um but I'm joined by Harley. Harley as always how's it going my man?
0: I'm doing pretty good. So in other words you won't be opining over and over again about how Julio Jones looks to be such a young young man again and how following the uh, rules and regulations of TB12 formula that uh, he could be forever in, endowed with a fountain of youth.
1: Uh, I will not. However, if he maybe would have said that he found Jerry Rice's fountain of youth, I might opine about that. I mean, did you see what I tweeted last night? Because Collinsworth really got me going a little bit.
0: I, I, I don't. Think, I don't think I did. But again, that, that was my big takeaway from last night. Was he had to at least have mentioned Julio Jones' uh, fitness routine and and his recovery. 35 times during the course of the broadcast?
1: So so for those that don't know, Julio Jones turned 33 earlier this this year. So this is his 33-year-old season, right? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Julio has absolutely been one of the most fantastic wide receivers of recent memory. There's no doubt about that.
0: Just, oh, I, I would say he's a first ballot Hall of Famer when the time comes around.
1: I would agree with that. He's been one of my favorite receivers. You know, injuries hit him a few times here and there, but... That said, Jerry Rice is the GOAT for a reason. And maybe it's unfair to, I don't know, compare a rejuvenated Julio Jones to Jerry Rice. But if you're going to call somebody rejuvenated and say how much they're going to add, I think that maybe we should look at Jerry just for a little bit. You know, Jerry turned 33 during the 95 season, it was in October. So he's a little bit younger than fit than um, Julio is going to be for his entire 33 year old season, but still pretty comparable, right? Yeah. Do you have any idea how many catches Jerry Rice had in his age 33 season?
0: Um, I did at one time, but I don't know it off the top of my head.
1: 122. That
0: sounds about right.
1: For 1,848 yards with 15 touchdowns.
0: His His career took a trajectory upward there, I'd say.
1: Yeah, just a little bit. I mean, (laughs) look, we're not going to get that from Julio this year, but I get what Collinsworth was saying. And then because I've always got to take a dump on a cowboy or the Cowboys when I can, um, Michael Irvin, for his entire career, had 750 receptions. Jerry Rice had 759 receptions after age 33. Well,
0: I think that if nothing else, Michael Irvin... uh, I mean, he's got his new commercial now. Have you, seen, have you seen his new commercial?
1: I have not.
0: It's the 88 Club. and They're talking about uh, all the receivers that have worn number 88. All I, th- all I was thinking when I saw that commercial for the first time was, you know Des Bryant has to just be loving this because this is like the first money he's made in over five years. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, he is playing fantasy now, so you never know.
0: Well, as long as he doesn't. Gamble on. Oh wait, no, that's Kelvin Ridley. Sorry.
1: <laughs> oh, too soon, too soon, too soon. Anyway, um, it was a heck of a week. I'm sorry. That's uh, I got off on a tangent there about Julio and and Jerry Rice, but that is why Jerry's the goat. I mean, Jerry has, for what it's worth, before I went up moving on to the next segment, um, 759 catches, 10,049 yards, and 69 touchdowns after the after his from his age 33 season on until he retired.
0: Well, if there ever is going to be a knock against Julio Jones or something that might keep him out uh, potentially of being a first belt Hall of Famer is his lack of touchdowns over his career. So it'll be interesting to see if Chris Godwin ends up missing some time, how much Julio is targeted, particularly yeah. around the red zone.
1: Julio and Andre Johnson, two guys that never quite understood how could, how people couldn't get them into the end zone.
0: <laughs> in, in Julio's case, a lot of the time he was his own dang faulty. He get tackled at the five yard line or the two yard line after a seventy yard catch. It was crazy.
1: Yeah. Um, anyway, so we're not going to talk all Jerry Rice and Julio Jones tonight. We are going to discuss Week One and try to help you decode what Week One told us going forward. Of course, we'll have our PSVs, our um, which is our pay ups, stay aways, and value plays for DFS. But before any of that happens, got to throw it over to Harley for this week's Blitz Podcast News. <laughs>
0: Thank you, Steve. Dak Prescott broke his hand on Sunday night, and he will undergo surgery this week, keeping out potentially until week 10. When asked if he thought the team needed to trade for a replacement or just roll with backup quarterback Cooper Rush, head coach Mike McCarthy stated that as long as Cooper could get them three wins by week 10, they should be okay, as six or seven wins should be enough to take down the NFC East. (laughs) Chris Godwin returned from his torn ACL much sooner than expected. Unfortunately, he went out and suffered a hamstring strain in his first game back. This new injury will keep him out for a couple of weeks, but he will still return sooner than he probably should have from the original ACL injury. So his fantasy owners should at least be happy about that. (laughs) Najee Harris exited Sunday's game early with a foot injury. This should be alarming, seeing as how he battled a Liz Franck injury this summer. Fortunately, early reports are that this new injury is not a big deal. Nah, I don't know about that. Liz Franck injuries can be huge issues that linger over long periods of time. Of course, his fantasy owners should probably be more worried that Najee averaged only 2.3 yards per carry against a mediocre Cincinnati run defense. (laughs) Keenan Allen left Sunday's game with a hamstring injury. His status for Thursday's game against the Chiefs is doubtful. In his absence, Mike Williams should have had a dominant game. Instead, he did absolutely freaking nothing. Apparently, no one bothered to tell us that Williams suffered an injury to his solar plexus this offseason after sitting on his fat new wallet. <laughs> and finally, Elijah Mitchell is expected to miss several weeks with a knee injury. This means that Jeff Wilson will be a huge fab target this week. This also means that Jordan Mason and Tyrian Davis Price will be huge fab targets in week three after Wilson suffers his annual injury. (laughs) This has been your BPN News Update.
1: So I like how you did that. I like how you kept Mike Williams not at the end, so maybe I forget about it. That sounded personal.
0: No, it's it's way personal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I read. I know. I read some of your stuff that you had, so I know that Mr. Williams let you down bigly.
0: It, it's it was crazy. It was such a great matchup for Mike Williams, even with Keenan Allen in there. And I mean, I can only assume that once Allen went down, that obviously they were able to double team Mike Williams a little bit. But Williams had done nothing before that either.
1: Yeah, it was I mean,
0: ridiculous. It's
1: it's amazing that Herbert <coughs> threw for 279 yards with three touchdowns. Nobody had more than four catches. Nobody had more than four targets. Nobody had more than 66 yards. And that was Keenan Allen, four, four for 66. Um, Carter had three for 64. Gerald Everett, three for 54 and a touchdown. Carter had a touchdown also. Mike Williams. Well, and I'm Where sure is Josh
0: he? Palmer owners are probably upset about the whole fallout too. I mean, everyone expected he would step in if something were to happen to one of the two big receivers.
1: Oh, well, he had four he had four targets. He just happened to have three catches for five yards.
0: Exactly. Well, he had he had two catches early for zero yards. I remember seeing that line a couple times.
1: Yeah, I think Baker Mayfield had a line early, something like two two completions in three attempts for minus one yard. So it was definitely a freaky Monday, that's for sure. Or, I'm oh, sorry, Freaky, Freaky Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, Freaky Sunday.
0: Now, speaking of Baker Mayfield, how about Robbie Anderson? I mean, everyone was so on board with Sam Darnold turning Robbie Anderson back into the Robbie Anderson that Sam Darnold knew while they were at the Jets. But obviously, that never materialized last year. Robbie Anderson looks like he might be a sneaky play going forward here this year if Baker likes him so much.
1: He might be. He might find his way into one of my dynasty lineups over Mike Williams, honestly. <laughs>
0: Well, I guess it didn't help that Terrace Marshall had, what, zero targets the entire game? Was he even on the field? Was he like a healthy scratch?
1: I don't know, but I will find that out. How's that? If you can fill some 30 (laughs) seconds here, I will find that out.
0: I think that's kind of the big issue we had all weekend then, is that it was basically a giant collection of milk cartons. I mean, say what you want about the players that outplayed their Role and and there are certainly a couple couple of players that vultured some touchdowns. I know DeAndre Swift owners weren't happy that Jamal Williams got two touchdowns. Nick Chubb owners certainly aren't happy that Kareem Hunt got two touchdowns. But it was all of those gosh darn milk carton performances. Guys like Robert Woods, Ellen Robinson, Cam Akers, Darnell Mooney, Mike Williams, Tom Brady, Amari Cooper,
1: Kyle Pitts.
0: Kyle Pitts is on my list. Hunter Renfro. Oh my God. I really thought Hunter Renfro would have a good game that game as well. And again, it was, it was really weird. It was like, I mean, I guess you could make the understanding that Renfro had a small game because Devontae was targeted like 17 times. That's understandable. And Kyle Pitts, I mean, defense probably planned to take him away and force the unproven receivers to help beat them. Uh, but then you look at guys like Robert Woods and Mike Williams, th- those make no sense. Ellen Robinson for crying out loud. What happened on Thursday there, sir?
1: Um, I actually saw a tweet. I wish I remembered who did it. They showed a bunch of the routes or I should say a bunch of the snaps where Robinson ran routes. He was open on, he was wide many, open, many, many. <laughs> but you know what? He wasn't read one. And Stafford never got the read to it, it, seemed like, many a times.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it seemed like whenever he started to look that general direction, and again, I'll have to look at the exact breakdown of all the film, but it, it appeared that Tyler Higbee was running on the same side of the field as Ellen Robinson, and Higbee actually was second on the team with targets in this first game. So perhaps uh, Matthew Stafford just wasn't opening his range of vision far enough to the right.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We, we'll see. That's all, you know.
0: But speaking of that game, how about Cam Akers? I think everyone thought, and I mean, certainly the prevailing theory among fantasy analysts this offseason, was that he's recovered from his injury. He obviously played in the Super Bowl, and everyone assumed that he was going to be ready to take over as the lead back, and he barely saw the field.
1: He had like three carries. I think he had 12 snaps. Daryl Henderson definitely is the guy there right now. If you were just to look at the... Scorecard without names, you'd have thought it was reversed. You'd have thought it was Cam that had the workload that he had and vice versa. Um, I did see a play where there was a blitz. looked like Cam was supposed to release out into the flat. He did, but he didn't get a chip like he probably should have to help. Um, It was a completion of the cup. But maybe it's plays like that that the coach was hinting at when he says, you know, he said something about all-out effort or something like that.
0: Well, it's it's too bad because – I mean, Henderson had a good game, but it wasn't like a Right. He was carrying the ball and running away with it here. This this was basically him doing an okay job, doing what we all expected Cam Akers to do.
1: Yeah, he didn't run the ball like Nick Chubb or Saquon Barkley this weekend.
0: No, not at all. And uh well, so I I think we can kind of like look at say Darnell Mooney's line and say, "Well, let's give him a pass because they played in the monsoon." But Do we have to be concerned about the fact that uh, he was only targeted like two or three times too?
1: Okay, so let's do this first. So we're going to have two segments tonight, right? We're going to do our DFS segment later. Let's get in. That's what we're going to get into now is where you're going to, I'm going to let you drive this with some wide receivers. And I don't know if you got any running backs you want to talk about, but people that were ghosts this week, basically, and what we should take from it. So as far as Mooney goes, and probably my answer will be the same along the lines for most of your people you're going to bring up, it's one week. It happens. Um, we're still trying to feel out what defenses are defenses and which ones aren't, which are for real and which aren't. But a monsoon is a monsoon. You know what I mean? And that field was
0: atrocious. Except unless unless it's grill monsoon, then he's just a goat.
1: Yeah, okay. I'll give you that. There aren't too many people that are going to know who the hell that is. They're going to have to hit Google. Um, (laughs) Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, the field was atrocious. I mean, it truly was like being in Lake Superior or something at one point.
0: Well, and I saw the footage of the pregame show. They're actually using like squeegees, yeah. to try to get all the liquid out. And you think to yourself, well, it's like that—that that would make some sense if it was like astroturf or like some sort of field turf surface. But I mean, this this is a crappy stadium to begin with.
1: Yeah, that was they don't have that any was sort brand, of that was drainage. Bra- that was brand new sod that they had just laid. I think <laughs> in that past week.
0: Oh. It was, it was uh, like trying to pick a horse in a mutter.
1: Yeah. it just So, I mean, I, I might even say that they may have scored a few more points in that game than I expected them to score.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, one of the big surprises, I think, uh, or something that I'm sure that uh, their parents couldn't have possibly expected, but Amon Ross St. Brown and Equanimia St. Brown scoring basically within a minute of each other.
1: Yeah, that's kind of cool. Um, so, i want
0: I wonder who like which which family members were in attendance for which game there
1: that's let's see um yeah I'd say probably Amon's were a better better stadium to be in indoors
0: yeah well I, I just remember last year where the uh, the kelseys uh their their mom basically went to both games uh for one of one of the weekends where it's like uh travis flew her from uh, Arrowhead or wherever they were playing to Philadelphia to see Jason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> game was pretty.
1: So, listen, you brought up Mooney, he had three targets, one catch, eight yards. Um, Fields was eight of 17 for 121, two touchdowns, one interception, and an 85.7 passer rating.
0: Cole, Komet, that's still 15 target ratio there,
1: exactly. Um, <clears throat> then you got Cole commit one target, no catches. um
0: That really blew my mind, because I thought with the bad conditions, you would see more usage by the running backs, and again, we're talking about uh, guys kind of slogging along. I I would say that David Montgomery was definitely stuck in the mud, and uh, obviously Mitchell got hurt, so... But why weren't the tight ends for Bron- I mean I I really thought Tyler Croft was going to be a great sleeper this week and he w- didn't do anything.
1: Yeah, one catch 9 yard on two targets. So both those That's better ends, than Cole Komet. Yeah, those both <laughs> those guys combined for three three looks and one catch and 9 yards. Um here's how I see it. Like I said, it happens the weather wasn't beneficial. I'd say that both Mooney and Komet are buys. If somebody's willing to overreact and sell them after that week, I'd still buy either one of those guys. That's how I look at it.
0: Okay, well how about uh of see facing uh, facing off against the Giants, Robert Woods basically completely ignored in that game. Uh, is, is this going to be like last year where Julio Jones signed there and then they just refused to throw him the ball?
1: I don't think it's going to be that. Um, but, yeah, you do have to ask yourself, you know, he had a whole two targets, one catch for 13 yards. Um, players that had as many targets as him, Westbrook, Akine, I don't know how to say that last name. I hope I didn't botch it. Um, Austin Hooper had as many targets. Players that had more targets than him. Swaim had double the targets. Um, Of course, Burks having five, that doesn't shock you. Hilliard had four. And um, Jerry Rice Phillips had nine targets, six catches, 66 yards.
0: Yeah, and that really is kind of like a a big two middle fingers up to People who drafted Trail on Burks early at the uh, rookie, uh, if they had like early rookie drafts, say in like April or May, to see the second receiver taken by Tennessee in the rookie draft outperform Burks, of course. I mean, obviously, Burks's summer was far less than what Tennessee had hoped for. But I, I really thought Woods would do more. I also really thought Hooper would do more, would do more, too, this week.
1: Yeah, Woods would be another guy I probably would buy low on. Phillips I definitely would sell high on. Um I don't think we're going to see him maintain that. Of course I could be wrong. Um I'm just I'm not 100% sold on the Titans offense in general without AJ Brown, quite honestly. Um Burks has got to grow into that role. I think at some point Tannehill winds up on the bench for Malik Willis. So yeah, that's, you know, I'm not a big buyer on that offense as a whole, but I would buy Woods for pennies on the dollar if I could.
0: Well, we talked a lot about the uh, Chargers already in their situation. So I'm going to go ahead and skip on Mike Williams. And we talked about the Rams as as far as uh, Akers and Robinson. Uh, How about up in Cleveland? Uh, They're obviously their big money acquisition this offseason was Amari Cooper. I'm not going to comment on Deshaun Watson because he's obviously not playing yet. But Amari Cooper really, really almost criminally underused in this game against Carolina.
1: Yeah, he I mean he only netted 6 6 targets, he had 3 catches for 17 yards. For me the shocking thing that comes out of that is 1% does did not look good in that game. But Donovan Peoples-Jones, 11 targets out of the 34 attempts and 6 catches. So he had a 33% you know, catch share and target share basically.
0: And I, I really was kind of confused by that, too, because when I, when I think about Donovan Peoples-Jones, at least what I always remembered of him from his uh, limited play the first couple of seasons of his career, was that he was more of a vertical threat, yeah. less uh, so a possession type guy. And I really thought that Cooper and, to a lesser degree, the rookie they drafted this year, David Bell, would kind of take on that possession role for them. Uh, and obviously David Njoku, who we, we talked a lot about last week. And it, it really felt like it, it, you know, it was people's Jones and yeah I, and maybe just Brissett I was going say got I, more reps with him I't
1: <laughs> I pronounced OJ Howard wrong last week when I said injoku um, but anyway yeah I was disappointed don't, in,
0: don't you mean Dawson Knox 2.0 yeah there you
1: go um I I'm not going to say I'm buying low on Njoku, but I'm not selling him I'm not you know you didn't get him as a tight end one more than likely anyway so I, I still think that there's hope for him to still have that strong season like I said I thought he would have um I don't expect DPJ to, to stay where he is. I think that we'll see Cooper bounce back. Um, I wouldn't spend a lot to try and get Cooper. I wouldn't make him a target, but if somebody was trying to to sell me something and he had him and I would try to get him thrown in, I absolutely would try that. Um, I can't see Brissett being much worse. I think he's got to get better. Um, he'll probably get to be just where he's pretty solid just as a time as Watson's coming back.
0: Well, I'm trying to remember back to his season as a starter with Indianapolis, and it seemed like he uh... – he, he, he was able to keep one, one wide receiver, like 1B. Not, not really a wide receiver 1. I'd say more of like a, yeah. a high-end wide receiver 2 off of him there. and So it's possible that, I mean, it, it might be DPJ, but I, I assume it's going to be Cooper eventually.
1: Then again, when you have Nick Chubb and <clears> Kareem <throat> Hunt combining for, you know, almost 200 yards rushing and, you know, why do anything one, else?
0: I'd like to comment on that too. I mean, I think both of us agreed that Carolina would have a much, much more powerful defense this year than to give up that many yards to Chubb and Hunt.
1: Well, this is what, I think this is one of those chicken or the egg type things. Both can be true. I mean, I do think that Carolina has a better defense, but sometimes the better offense and the better runner is going to get you. Um, yeah. And that's just what happened. I do think that Carolina will stymie some some backfields and make – Fantasy owners regret that they played somebody against them. They're not all going to do Nick Chubb-like things. Um, Hunt was a good compliment. Hunt was you know, a little better than four and a half yards per carry. He got the only touchdown. I mean, Chubb was just a beast, 141 on 22 carries. Um, And Hunt didn't do a lot in the passing game, honestly, four for 24, but he did get that touchdown. So, yeah.
0: Well, the the other two names I've got here, again, Kyle Pitts, we – briefly touched on him with Atlanta there. Uh, Should we all be worried, the fact that he wasn't even targeted very much in this first game, or should we just assume that uh, he just wasn't part of the game script this week?
1: Well, he was tied for the team lead in targets. Drake London had seven targets, and so did Pitts. Um, He only converted two for 19, though. I don't think he got targeted a lot last year in the season opener either, but he, he seemed to fare pretty well. At this point, you drafted him to be a tight end. One, do not sit him. You're not going to sit him for anybody. You're going to have to play through this, and take your lumps. So if this continues for three or four weeks, then you're in trouble. Um, I don't think it will. I do think that the cream will rise to the top. Pitts is going to have a solid game. He's going to have a solid season. He's going to be that you know top. He's going to be a top five, six tight end with top one or two ability. It's it's a bad blip at the start of a season. Buy if you can.
0: What. And along those lines I really I just have a strange feeling that seven targets for me at least I expected I expected more and maybe that's just recency bias to the fact that he was getting eleven twelve thirteen targets a game near the end of the year last year but we have to realize is that they did draft Drake London they did uh, bring in some other free agents to basically give them some sort of outside option besides Pitts to throw to, because at the end of the season last year, they didn't really have anything there.
1: Yeah. And I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing. I do think that it'll, one will help the other quite honestly. Um, and he'll have some 10, 11 target games for sure. And it'll eclipse a hundred yards in some of these, some of the games that are coming up and I'll have multiple TDs in some of the games coming up. Um, this is not indicative of what I expect to see from Kyle Pitts for the rest of the year.
0: The, the last name I've got on my list here is Hunter Renfro and, Again, I've got a lot of shares of Renfro in dynasty formats. Obviously, he had a big breakthrough season last year, and we all knew that Devontae Adams would be the alpha receiver there this year. But I I don't think I expected it to be quite this bad of a a differential between the number of targets Devontae got and Renfro got. I mean, obviously, Carr has familiarity with Adams from their college days, but he also has familiarity with Renfro from the last two years.
1: Yeah, I mean... (sighs) Seventeen targets,
0: yeah, seventeen. I, that's that's kind of what Devonte does, though. I mean,
1: I mean that's a forty six percent target share rate. And then yeah. you have both Waller and Renfro that come in second, both with six targets. Um, you know, Waller had the big catch that helped save his day for the most part at four for seventy nine with that thirty one yarder. But um, mm-hmm. there is a lot of mouths to feed there. Um, but overall, I mean. Carr was 22 of 37 for 295 yards. You back out Devontae Adams, there's not a lot left to go around. So he only was passer rating 69.1, so there's a lot of room to move up. I think that this is probably something that you can say, well, I'm not going to be able to rely on Renfro as a solid wide receiver too. He's still a 3 or flex play, and there'll be weeks where he gives you some plus on top of that, I think.
0: I think I can add one more name to the list too based on our conversation here regarding Renfro. A similar situation... Uh, involving a acquired receiver dominating the touches, dominating the targets this week. It was in Philadelphia where uh, A.J. Brown really was the focal point, and Devonta Smith did absolutely nothing.
1: <laughs> you know, yeah, he had four targets and zero catches. A.J. had 13 and cashed in 10 for 155. Um, yeah. So his thirteen targets divided by those thirty-two attempts, he's around forty-one <coughs> percent target share. That's up in that Devontae Adams range almost, you know? Yep. Um, Smith and what he brings to the team, he's not a he's not a Djax type guy where he's gonna be all big play all the time. But you're not gonna get consistent numbers out of him, I don't think. He's gonna have weeks where he disappears somewhat. Not like this. Um, but I think that this should help to make people just sober up to the ability, to the reasoning that He's probably a a fringe wide receiver three-ish type guy that's probably more the wide receiver four flex range um, with the right matchups. And even then, you're still not going to know because Hertz will pull it down and run the ball 17 times. Um,
0: And I really, I I just kind of looked at and I was starting to do my analyzation for next Monday's game between them and the Minnesota Vikings. And I really feel like what I saw, at least of Devonta's uh, roots, it, it, I think he might become a Tyler Lockett where you might see him have three games a year where he scores yeah. two or three touchdowns and then the rest of the year he does next to nothing. Now, that's, again, that's not quite Deshaun Jackson, but that's that's bordering on that for Philadelphia fans.
1: Yeah, that's not, that's not a bad analogy and not a bad person to compare him against. Um, I'm not saying I'm buying him. I'm not saying I'm selling him because I don't think you drafted him to be that kind of guy on your team. So, you know... I'd probably sit tight and just see if I've got somebody else. That's why I draft depth, and, and you go from there. Um, I was a little more angry in that game that Miles Sanders only got one of the four rushing touchdowns because I called for him to be the biggest regret that people left on their bench this weekend and said he would score two touchdowns. Well, He, he actually
0: was running the ball with power and authority, too. He sure
1: was. 13 for 96. <clears throat> and a long of 24. So it's not like he, he broke off a 70-yarder and 12 were... You know, for twenty-six yards or something.
0: Yeah, I mean, as much as everyone was gushing and glorifying over Saquon's performance, I, I seem to remember a couple of big carries in there in his final line. So,
1: yeah, well, big carries do make up big totals for running backs usually. Um, but hey, there's no denying Saquon looks like he's healthy and he's back.
0: Well, unfortunately, we've had quite a few injuries this week. As uh, as I rolled off in the news, there are four. Uh, key injuries, at least there, and most importantly, I'd say, is Dak Prescott, and I think that really kind of puts a huge damper on the entire Dallas offense going forward.
1: Didn't look very good with Dak in last last night, honestly. And for those, yep. I, I miss doing this. You know, we're, we're early in the season. I missed announcing that we, of course, are recording on Monday night, so the Monday night game has not com- has not completed yet. Right now, it's currently seven <coughs> three, Seattle. Um, so we don't have a full week to, to actually talk about. So there may be some players that I'm like, oh, I'm not sure how they pl- performed this past week. Well, let's see. I think they'll do this next week. Oh, no, wait, they're playing Denver. They're playing Seattle. and We don't have a full picture of what those teams even look like yet. So, um, yeah.
0: Well, that that's uh, basically my uh, soapbox on a bunch of players that were no shows for me this week. And I think in general, and I, th- I think you did a good job of breaking it down, kind of pulling me off the ledge, so to speak. And, You know, it's week one, folks. It's week
1: fun. It's in a, first of all, the NFL season isn't a large data point season because you're only talking 17 games, right? But one one data point definitely is not enough to make a decision on. Just file it away, keep it in the back of your head, and you start to compile the stuff that happens, and then you make your informed decisions as you go forward. Don't overreact to week one. It's kind of like, you know, if you're in Stranger Things, just look at it as the upside down. Get out when you can and... Get it back to normal, exactly. I think I don't know.
0: And well, eat you, lots of egos.
1: Yeah, egos. There's nothing wrong with egos. I had eggs. Oh, egos are the best. I had egos this weekend, actually. <laughs> um. Okay. With that, let's do it. Let's roll over to the DFS side of things. Let's give people our PSVs, pay up, stayaways, and value plays.
0: Well, we still got a full slate of games. Uh, there is one additional primetime game this week, so uh, that that those players will not be obviously in the main million. Millie maker uh, lineups, but I'm going to say that with this many players, we're looking at one, two, three, four, five, six. I, I've got us with six matches.
1: Oh, I'm taking the under. I did not like this week. Okay. Watch us, watch us go blazing past it. Yeah. <coughs> it's my favorite Monday, two games. I hate Mondays with two games. <laughs>
0: That just means that we have more to watch while we're recording next week.
1: Yeah, the only thing I hate more than Monday two game Mondays are nine a.m. Sundays. <laughs> and I'm not those talk- are
0: coming soon enough, and we have a few of those this year. And I'm
1: not talking from the West Coast; I'm talking on the East Coast.
0: Oh, yeah, we got uh, Tennessee at Buffalo and Minnesota at Philadelphia in the uh, two games next week. So. I obviously, I think you've got a rooting interest in Philadelphia. Obviously, I've got a rooting interest in Minnesota. So yeah, that's be a fun game. I think that's gonna be a high-scoring game.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. It'll probably be seven-three. Um, <laughs> and Justin Jefferson will score both the seven and the three somehow. I'm not sure how, but that's what'll happen. Anyway, all right. What are we going to match on? You said six was the number. I have six. All right. Let's start it. Let's see if we can just sweep one of the <coughs> categories and go from there.
0: Okay, let's start off at quarterback, because I know you love quarterbacks so much. I'm going to pay up for Russell Wilson, who we're just seeing tonight playing against Houston. Uh, Houston managed to not lose last week, but they did give up 352 passing yards to Matt Ryan. Uh, Russell Wilson is at worst on par with Ryan at this point in their careers. And I'd argue that Wilson has a little bit better depth among his receiving weapons compared to Ryan. I mean, Ryan obviously has Pittman, who may be better than both Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy but obviously Russell has both Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. And the second receiver, at least for India is still a little up in the air.
1: You know, I don't hate Russell Wilson this week at all. I didn't like the fact that I didn't see him play this week. Um, so that probably made me look a little bit past him. My pay up. I'm going for the top price guy, Kyler Murray, Arizona got their, you know, what's handed to him by Kansas city. <laughs> um, I don't like that. It's on the road. However, I do like that. I believe that it's going to be a high-scoring game. Murray will use his legs at seventy-five and eighty-five hundred. That seems a little cheap for the top-priced quarterback to me. So I'll pay up for Murray this week.
0: Yeah, and it it was. I mean, I think most of the top-priced guys aren't too bad this week. But there are some really good value options too. I mean, I like Jared Goff at home versus Washington. I I love Matt Ryan once again this week uh, going down to Jacksonville. And uh, then you got a couple of guys at the the middle range that are kind of concerning. Like, do do we trust Trey Lance after that right. huge yeah. fiasco in the rain? But he's got a good price, and he's at home, and he's going to be facing the sale team that, by all accounts, is not the sale defense that we have known and loved for the last ten years.
1: Correct. Okay, so who are you staying away from?
0: I'm going to stay away from Tampa T. Tampa TB. uh They're going to New Orleans. Uh, Brady had a very ungoat like week one. He gets to face an even tougher secondary this week. I mean, we're talking four solid uh, defensive backs on that defense. Uh, There's going to be no Chris Godwin this week. And in his four games in his career against New Orleans since joining Tampa Bay, Brady only has one game that was above average. He had one game where he had four touchdowns and 370 yards. His other four games, he did not ever top 240 yards. And he had one game where he had two passing touchdowns, and the other two games were shutouts. Oh, I also, I, I've been reading these reports on TMZ that he's having marital problems. Really? Yeah. Didn't know that. I mean, if TMZ is saying it, it's got to be true,
1: right? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, it's not like it's Wikipedia. It's TMZ. <coughs> um, so we do have a match. Um, he was not the first person I wrote down. I initially went to Lamar Jackson, I, and I'm like, I think Miami's D is going to be tough this year.
0: Oh, they really are. I mean, And, and the issue with Lamar Jackson is that he's got – well, I mean, Devin DuVernay had two touchdowns last week. I, I think that's kind of a fluke. He's got two reliable options. That I think you can count on regulating. That's Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews. Yep. And when you look down at Miami's secondary, they're, they're fairly good, but they've got obviously incredibly good – qualified shutdown cornerback, Xavier Howard there. Uh, he's going to take out one of those two guys. Uh, yeah, I'm, you're going to need to see another big game from Duvernay if they're going to win this game, I think.
1: And, and see, that's part of why I was going to avoid him. Um, but then the fact that they're at home just said, I, I can't do that at this point. Like that was the, that was the thing that tipped the scale for me um, and why I went to Brady. But I also, I almost went to Burrow, honestly. Um, but I decided to go to Brady I won't be shocked if Brady throws for 320 and has four touchdowns, and three of them go to that young guy. Um, what's his name? Julio Jones. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think Brady's probably the safer, <coughs> especially since, you know, he doesn't add anything with his legs and it is on the road. So give us one.
0: Okay. Uh, who's your value play?
1: So you mentioned my value play earlier. Um, I had a couple of them I liked also, but I thought that this guy is on the road. That's You know, I'm never a big fan of being on the road. Um, but I thought he quietly had a decent enough game. The totals were okay. Um, I got I like Matt Ryan at 5,500, 6,800 going on the road to Jacksonville. You see what um, Wentz just did to Jacksonville. Granted, they were in Washington, but it also wasn't the best weather. Um, I think that Ryan is a solid play going down into Jacksonville this week.
0: Well, that's their second match right out of the books here. Uh, jacksonvilles they they have really improved lots of levels of their team. Obviously, they've spent a lot of money on their offense this offseason. They've drafted really well as far as getting defensive ends and some linebackers in there. But their biggest remaining issue is their deep pass defense. And I think the veteran Ryan should be able to pick them apart this week, especially after seeing what Wentz did this past week.
1: Speaking of linebackers, did you see the interception by the rookie? Yes. <laughs> that was Fantastic. That was one of the best interceptions I've seen by, and I don't, it's not even fair to call him a linebacker. He's an edge from a guy that rushes the passer. I mean, well, he, he's going one I, way, his body went the other. I mean, it was, he was like he read it the entire way. It wasn't lucky or anything like that.
0: Well, if you like that, I, I suggest that uh, any of our listeners now, a lot of people don't know is that I work for a local television production company that produces. Uh, Coon Rapids High School, they're a uh, Northwest Conference high school here in the state of Minnesota. Uh, They play basically the second highest level uh, football class here in high school football in Minnesota. And they had an interception this past week that was absolutely ridiculous. The ball was thrown by the opposition, uh, a player from Buffalo, Minnesota. It was tipped at the line by one of the defenders, popped up in the air, and it was about to go to the ground, and somebody on the ground basically kicked it up with their foot, and it managed to float around a little bit. And another guy fell down, and it actually landed basically in his lap for the
1: interception. Sounds like the catch at the end, <clears throat> at the end of, was it Parenthood or something like that? Where Steve exactly. Kid... You can
0: find it out on YouTube if, if you look for uh, Coon Rapids versus Buffalo on YouTube. Uh, it, it, it's just an incredible, incredible.
1: Tweet it out so people can find it easier.
0: I'll I'll try to remember that. Yeah.
1: Okay. All right. Let's move the run. Let's run on. Run on over to running back. What say you for who's to pay up at running back?
0: This one I had a little bit more problems because I kept going back and forth on whether or not I liked these guys or I didn't like these guys based on their matchups this week and also based on their prices. It was like my mind was swimming and I mean, like I looked at Saquon and it's like he had such a huge game. And obviously Carolina was completely triggered last week, but I do like, I like Carolina's defense. I don't know if I trust uh, Saquon Barkley because he had a couple of big runs that kind of promoted his stats. And Kamara is dealing with some sort of injury now that we just learned about. And it's like, I mean, McCaffrey had a down day. And ultimately I just like threw these all in a hat and settled on Joe Mixon. He's the fifth highest priced guy on DraftKings. He's uh, like the sixth or seventh highest priced guy on FanDuel. Um since he's had very little trouble jumping to a lead against Dallas with Cooper rush running their team. And, you know, once the lead is since he's, they're going to dominate time of possession. That means they're back me throwing the ball a lot. You can, you kind of mentioned Joe Burrow, not, not wanting to get too heavily invested in him. Uh, that's probably not a bad thought because they really won't have to throw the ball a lot this week. They're just going to run the ball with mixing a lot.
1: Yeah. So we don't have a match. Um, I don't dislike Mixon as a payup at all, but, I'm not sold on JT at home. I'm sorry. On the road at Jacksonville. Not at that price. The price is what scared me there. McCaffrey again on the road in New York. Uh, Just, you know, just not short. Kamara, you already said uh, injury or not. I wouldn't have been sold on Kamara. Um, that Tampa Bay defense is pretty legit. Even if I was gonna say
0: you got Levante and Vita in the middle there, it's hard to run on those two guys.
1: Yep, and and Akeem Hicks is there now too.
0: Oh, um, I forgot all about Akeem Hicks. Dang it!
1: Yeah. <laughs> so so I landed on Saquon because you know what, you're not going to see him this cheap for many more weeks. Honestly, um, I think he's a great play at home against a Carolina team that you said just got gashed by a stud that can run the ball and. I'm sorry, but Saquon looks healthy. So I'm going to look at him as like that stud and I'd go and I plug him in as my payup and you're getting him in a I, discount.
0: You're getting both of them at a discount. I think and I, I do totally agree with Saquon there. Like I said, I, I, if, if, if I didn't have so much like invested in Carolina's defense coming into this year, I'd be like, yeah, Saquon's the obvious place. But I'm, I just keep thinking to myself, it's like, they can't be that bad. Can they? <laughs>
1: yeah. Right. So, all right. Who are you staying away from?
0: I'm staying away from the same guy I stayed away from last week. That's James Conner. This time it's at Las Vegas, uh, 6,900 and 7, You know what? Last week, we expected a pass-forward game script, and I thought that, that would limit Conner's production. Well, it did. Uh, and this game could roll out much the same way. They're going up against another explosive AFC West offense. Now, he saved his day last week with that touchdown, but he also split touches far too evenly with Eno Benjamin. It wasn't like a a one to one ratio, but uh, it wasn't quite a two to one ratio either. So I, I don't like the fact that Benjamin is cutting that much into Connor's touches in this game. Uh, if he doesn't get the touchdown, I'm, I'm starting to think that Connor might become TD dependent.
1: <laughs> might, <coughs> might. His middle name's TD. Um, I'm not so concerned about the touches because it was such a blowout. Honestly, um, probably it's the way to save a little bit of tread and get some extra reps in for Eno, quite honestly. I mean, 10-4, to 4, so it's not like either on the ball a ton anyway. Out of that game, just feel like we should mention this. Um, Dortch nine targets, seven catches, 63 yards.
0: He was one of my favorite DFS players this week.
1: Yeah, so to me, that says, like, man, I'm looking forward to um, – Oh, goodness. What's the second-year guy's name now? Rondale Moore. Rondale He's Moore. He's going to be coming back. Yep. I'm, I'm looking forward to Rondale Moore coming back. That's my buy right there, not Dorch. It's Rondale Moore if you can get him. Anyway, okay, no, I, I probably punted, and I took – it was probably before I really realized that, that Kamara maybe dinged up a little more than what was realized. But I'm passing on Alvin Kamara at this point.
0: Again, it's not a great matchup. Uh, I was the same way. It's like I, I looked at Kamara and –
1: I mean, when you...
0: Split- I, I thought to myself, you know, with with the potential for the injury there, that it it was kind of kicking the kicking the can a little bit. But again, like I said, I don't dislike any of the plays up top this week. Yeah, and both of those two are the two that jumped out at me as being the least exciting.
1: Well, when you were you're sitting there worried that Kamar <coughs> that um Connor's splitting carries with Eno, and it's ten four. Kamara carried the ball nine times, and, t- and Taysom Hill carried against it four.
0: Atlanta. What the heck was that?
1: I mean, come on, <laughs> Taysom Hill carried it four times for 81 yards. Uh, he had a big. A one.
0: lot of that came on one big yeah, carry, 57 yeah. <laughs> yards. Right?
1: Yeah, I know. But you know, just saying, that's that's what I'm staying away from this week.
0: Well, as a Kamara owner, I hope that's not the case going
1: forward. <laughs> yeah, hope not. Who is your value play this week?
0: Well, I think this week, uh, I kind of hinted at it in the news, my value plays to me Jeff Wilson versus Seattle. Uh, you know, you're going to get your once a year Jeff Wilson two touchdown game this week, and then he's going to get hurt near the end of the game, and we're going to see either Mason or uh, Price come in, and they're going to be the lead back for the next couple, three weeks until Elijah's fully healthy again. And who knows, if one of those two runs with it, maybe Elijah will not be the running back. At some point the season. <laughs> so,
1: two main reasons why I did not pick him as my value play.
0: Because everyone's going to be on him, and his ownership rate is going to be way too high.
1: One, because everybody's going to be on him, and his ownership rate is going to be way too high. Two, I don't know how much of a second slash third fiddle he's going to play to Debo Samuel. Honestly, that is also a possibility. Yes, just being honest. So, the first. I, I,
0: I will say this. Good. Debo was kind of forced to play running back this week because they. Didn't have Tyrian uh, Davis Price active for this game, I think.
1: Yeah, but he was also forced to play running back last year when something happened too. So, well,
0: last year they were down like six running backs, so yeah. that makes some sense.
1: So I don't know, <clears throat> and they need a win. I just I see you lean on your best players. So uh, Jeff Wilson could have a big day. I- I'm just not going to buy into it at that price. It's worth taking a shot though. Um, anyway, the first name I wrote down as a value play. Ready for this? Go ahead. Okay. Joe Mixon. <laughs> it is. I'm not going to lie to you, but I, I said that's cheating. It's, he's too high priced. To call him a value play. I know we've done that in the past.
0: So you're going to go Samaj P. Ryan instead. <laughs> no,
1: no, no, I'm not. So I crossed him off, and I'm going to split my value play. I'm going to play one of these guys on DraftKings <coughs> and the other one on FanDuel based on price. Okay. I've got Chase Edmonds that I'm going to play on DraftKings at $5,200. Mm-hmm. And then Naeem Hines <laughs> on FanDuel at, I can't even see what I, what I wrote down. It was his price, so I can't read my own 5500 5, 5500 In a, we'll call it a role that was similar to what you saw of, and now his name just popped out of my head, um, former uh, Panther. Antonio Gibson? Yeah, no, no, no. Former Panther. Um, Curtis Samuel. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think you could see him in a little bit of a Curtis Samuel-type role doing stuff from the slot and stuff. So I think that he's a decent little value play.
0: Well, again, if you just look at the receiving numbers from McKissick and uh, Gibson in that game, too, even that, obviously right? uh, we did see more Jonathan Taylor receptions than I think most people thought, and Hines wasn't used nearly as much as people thought he would be in Week 1. But, again, if, if you assume that at some point he's going to cut a little bit more into those catches, then that role suddenly becomes his. And both, both Gibson and McKissick had big games in the receiving game against this team last week. So yeah, you can kind of project that Hines is going to be a factor. And obviously this is going to be a, a game that Indianapolis has to win.
1: Yep, <laughs> that is true. Um, anyway, that's, they're my two value plays. So I gave you two chances to match me and it didn't happen. uh, Technically we had three chances, I guess, to get matched. I don't know. Um, let's move over to wide receiver. <clears throat> okay. I think we're gonna get a match here. Who are you paying up for?
0: I pay up for Devontae Adams versus Arizona. You uh, want to go with
1: Cooper Cup? <laughs> of course, of course I went with Cooper Cup. How can no, you... I want to go with both of them if I can, but... <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Put in put in the cheap running backs <clears throat> and the cheap quarterbacks to get on both in. I mean, come on. Cooper Cup's facing the Atlanta team. That gave a combined. Well, first of all, they allowed seven catches for 114 yards to Jarvis Landry. Then you add in five for 57 to Michael Thomas. For that's 12 for 171 with two touchdowns. Uh, Cooper Cup can do that by himself.
0: Well, and that's what really was surprising. Is I, I mean, everyone thought this was going to be a run first game. Atlanta obviously has a has some quality cornerbacks on their team. So I was shocked at the fact that. New Orleans was able to be so successful through the air against them and they weren't able to get anything going with Kamara or Ingram or you know, anyone else on the ground. Really?
1: Anyone not named Taysom? Hill? Anyone not named Taysom? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I mean, I like Devonte. My concern is, well, first of all, he's $1,300 cheaper and $900 cheaper. So that's a plus my concern is, is that you might see them try to get maybe a few more looks for Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, which would take a little bit of value away from him. Um, I don't hate either one of them, quite honestly.
0: So like I said, if you can figure out a way to get both of them in under your cap, do it. Yep. I, I think that should be a partial match because I really would have I would say both are worth paying up for.
1: Oh, I'll give you a half. How's that? <clears throat> okay, okay.
0: I'm trying to push that number fast so we can get up to the six.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not going to happen.
0: <laughs> well, you, I, we're, I, we're probably going to match on our stay away, I think.:
1: I don't know. I don't think so. Um, go ahead, who are you staying away from?
0: Stay away from C.D. Lamb at Cincinnati.
1: Oh, yes, we are going to match there. I thought for sure you were going to say Jamar Chase.
0: You know, it wasn't bad enough that Lamb continued his crappy output when asked to be the man with no help. But now he has to be the man with no help and Cooper Rush, at quarterback. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) It really is a no-brainer, right?
0: It it, it should be. And, again, his price obviously has not been reflected yet because we're not three weeks into the season yet and and the sites haven't really updated their – algorithms to factor in things like this but yeah he should not be the sixth highest price receiver on the board right now even what? if he is three thousand cheaper than cooper cup I'm, i there's no way in hell i'm playing him
1: let's play a game <clears throat> after okay. let's see so three weeks let's call it week four week five they're not on a buy week five right um no they're on buy week nine what will cd lamb's price be in week five
0: I would say he's probably going to be about 5,800 5,
1: range.
0: So guys like Christian Kirk, uh, Jerry Judy, Tyler Lockett range.
1: So give me that. Give me the number again.
0: About fifty-seven hundred.
1: Okay, got it. I put it down on on the week five notepad so that we can see what happens. I, I tend to agree with you. I think he's going to be under that fifty-five hundred mark.
0: And and people like I said again, he's obviously got draft equity. Um, he they traded away Cooper because they wanted him to be the number one, but they didn't look at the fact is that last year when everyone was hurt and C.D. Lamb was the only person healthy, he did jack squat. Yep, he was he struggled mightily with double teams and I mean this I mean yeah, God save Noah Brown for having a good game. I actually used him in a lot of DFS lineups too, and I, he came through for me, yeah. but. It's like C.D. Lamb just he doesn't have anyone else reliable there. And, I mean, he had Dak throwing him the ball, and now he's got Cooper Rush throwing him the ball. Oh, That's, that's not pretty.
1: <laughs> so you mentioned a guy that I looked at for my value play um, in your price comparison <coughs> in Christian Kirk. Yep. But Christian Kirk's still a little bit too much money for me to call him a true value play, especially if you want to get those higher-priced receivers in there. But I'm going to stay with the same team. I like Zay Jones again. As oh, a,
0: I totally like Zay Jones. As yes, a value not, play. We're not going to match.
1: <laughs> okay. Who is your value play?
0: Uh, I, I did look at Christian Kirk. I looked at Zay Jones. and I, I actually have Zay Jones in a couple of lineups already for next week, so take the as you will. Uh, I'm going to go with the guy who was my primary value play last week. We didn't announce him as my value play in here, but, but I put him into – Probably more lineups as my third receiver than anyone else, and he paid off big time. And that's Curtis Samuel. Uh, he he absolutely balled out last week, and his salary hasn't been updated yet. Still forty six hundred on DraftKings, fifty seven hundred on FanDuel. I mean that's I mean that's bottom of the barrel pricing on both of those sites. And every, here's the thing: everyone is going to remember and use Jahan Dotson, who is actually cheaper on both sides because he scored twice. They're going to see those two touchdowns. They're going to see those total fantasy points for Dotson was higher than the, the, the fantasy points for Samuel. What they won't look at is the fact that Samuel saw more than twice as many targets as Dotson for the game. And that's why I want to use him. Oh, plus Samuel's used in the running game too.
1: So do you want to know who, if I'm looking at somebody in that game, and why steer steered away from Samuel? Why is that? I think it's an AJ, I mean, Terry McLaurin game. I really think that they feed McLaurin big time this week.
0: Be interesting. Certainly, uh, there were a lot of people eating crow about Carson Wentz after, the last, after last night's game.
1: Yep. So, okay. So, we've got, let's see, three and a half, because I gave you the half. That means we've got a sweep tight end.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, eh, weirder things have happened.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's <laughs> going to happen either. But who are you paying up for at the tight end position?
0: Uh, can I pay up for no one? He, <laughs> I really like he, any of the tight ends, really, this week. but uh, I agree. <laughs> I'm going to pay up for Darren Waller. Uh, news of his demise, obviously, were greatly exager- uh, exaggerated. He finished with 479. Like you mentioned, 30 of it was on one catch. But he tied for the second on the team in targets with Renfro. And he's gets to face an Arizona defense. That I actually thought would be better in the middle of the secondary with Isaiah Simmons back there. But they allowed 10 catches, 132 yards, and two touchdowns to KC tight ends. Obviously, most of that went to Travis Kelsey. Yep. But, uh, again, it we, we've seen this before with Arizona. They've had some decent guys in their secondary, and they spent like 10 years being completely inept against the position Last couple of years, they've been better. I thought that was going to be the case this year, but it sure didn't look that way last week.
1: Yeah, going on a one-week data point, you absolutely say get a tight end in against Atlanta. Um, I do think we see the the um, Raiders pair off a little bit of those targets that Devontae got, and they go to Waller and Renfro a little bit. So I definitely love Waller this week if we have to pay up for any of those tight ends. So we have a match.
0: Okay. So Who are you staying away from?
1: Well— I wrote down two names, but the one name's really not fair because I think he's going to be out for a few weeks from everything that I've heard. So I I initially wrote down George Kittle. Um, But, and I'm going to say it's a travesty that Taysom Hill's getting points as a quarterback, a running back, and a tight (laughs) end now. Um, But the guy I wrote down as my stay away that I'll go with is Kyle Pitts. On the road, against the Rams, not the type of game that I'm expecting Mariota to have a good game at of course you know pitts could redeem himself and have five for 60 and a touchdown but it's not the best bounce back game for him to have
0: well perhaps we are in danger of uh making that uh, high because i also put down Pitts for much the exact same reasons you did uh, obviously if kill even starts i wouldn't put him in my lineup because it's a groin injury and that sounds like something that'd be fairly easy to re-injure and obviously Kittle was Nicknamed George Brittle for a reason,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, but yeah, no, I, I ended up going with Pitts as well. I mean, Taysom Hill qualifies at quarterback on DraftKings only, he qualifies at tight end only on FanDuel. Both of those things as with it come together and say, Hey, look, he's a tight end this year. He they've said he's a tight end this year, he might get some wildcat snaps, but it, he's a tight end, yeah. Uh, so and I'm not paying 6200 for him on FanDuel, anyways, but that's that's another story altogether,
1: okay. Who is your value play?
0: Uh, ironically, I originally was going to put down O.J. Howard, <laughs> and I thought to myself, yeah, I know. I, I again, he, it's it's Dawson Knox two point oh. He caught two passes. Uh, didn't uh, didn't Houston have a like a huge oh, Darren Fells, the big tight end who caught like twelve passes and eight touchdowns one yeah, season? Yep. <laughs> so I mean, maybe that's just the trend that Houston likes to do that. I, I certainly don't mind him at the bare minimum, three thousand dollars. It's that I'll pay that for him, I guess. But the guy I ended up going with is a guy who I, I really like uh, this weekend. That's Hayden Hurst, thirty six hundred on DraftKings and fifty three hundred on Fanduel. Uh, that thirty six hundred price is so nice because uh, they may be without T Higgins again, and and to top it off, Tyler Boyd also hurt his shoulder a little bit uh, near the end of the game. Uh, they may both play. We don't know that yet, but. I think either way, if one of them or both of them is limited, Mike Thomas drops several passes thrown his way. So I have a feeling Burrow's not going to be super excited to throw him the ball. And obviously the defense is going to try to shut down Jamar Chase. That's going to leave Hayden Hurst as the obvious beneficiary.
1: Uh, You're forgetting Joe Mixon. Um, (laughs) So we're not going to hit the over. We're hitting the under. Uh, Um, I didn't like any of the cheap guys. I like O.J. Howard. I'm not going to base not saying he's a value play this week based on the fact that he only had two targets and two catches and he cashed him in for two touchdowns, right? Um, That it it is what it is. I think he's going to be a positive on that team. And I think we'll see him have a solid year. Um, Brevin Jordan, probably going to be the guy that gets hurt most by OJ Howard being there. But I I just, I didn't like any of the lower price guys. I looked at Mo Alley Cox and looked at Evan Ingram and looked at Hayden Hurst. And all I saw was Joe Mixon. Um, I wound up going all the way up to Pat Friermuth for my value play. Ah.
0: I, I actually Najee. liked that play. Um, I was actually a little disappointed on the amount of usage Zach Gentry got in that game.
1: Yeah, it's, for me, It's you know, you've got Najee who's, you don't know what's up with him, right? Yep. Um, and I just think that you see, you see Pat have a slightly bigger role It's at home. Um, New England's linebackers, probably the weakest link in that defense. Um, I'd rather not play against their, you know, their cornerbacks and safeties, but they're still not the same team that they used to be. They're not the fearful New England team. Um, So I land on Pat. I figured he's pretty much like a, just safe. He's probably a 10, 12 point guy gets in the end zone. He'll get you three times.
0: And the price isn't that bad. I mean, Forty-four hundred and fifty-four hundred. That's uh, that's, what, 10th, uh, 9th, uh, I should say, on DraftKings and 8th on FanDuel. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of middle of the pack.
1: I mean, I looked at Njoku at home against the Jets. You know, it's just, Font's pretty, you know, it's cheaper. And you got Albert O, but just, again, not seeing Albert O this week yet. Um, Logan Thomas, you know, Dallas Goddard didn't do too much against Detroit, though. But then again, it's, it's I don't know. So, yeah, I didn't love all the cheaper price. I didn't love tight end this week at all, quite honestly.
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty uh, – I mean, I think coming into the season, we looked at the tight end position and thought, oh, there's actually some decent plays. But, yeah, it didn't show out week one, obviously. One-week value points, as you like to say. And uh, I, I think there's going to be players that are going to come back. I mean, obviously, we're not going to see another zero-yard, zero catches from Austin Hooper. I, I kind of dig him a little bit. Uh, uh, don't mind Cameron Brait. Again, if Godwin's out, I think he's going to see a yeah. few more targets there. Uh, I was shocked that the Jets' only touchdown went to Tyler Conklin, as all I'd read and all I'd heard in this preseason was that Joe Flacco was kind of meshing with Elijah Moore. And obviously New York Jets have never been known to use their tight ends, really, so seeing Conklin get their only score was kind of a, bit of a shocker to me. Yeah, But yeah, no, there's... There's not a lot. I mean, the value, the value level players, those really cheap tight ends this week, just are not very appealing.
1: Yeah. Dalton Schultz maybe, but he's not cheap. So um, <laughs> he's probably the biggest beneficiary in the Dallas offense with the DAC injury, quite honestly. So yeah. in any event, um, you know what? Make sure that if you haven't subscribed to the huddle, you subscribe. If you're not following Harley on, on Twitter, follow him at Nuclear Harley. Maybe he'll tweet the link to that interception he was talking about. You can follow me at Steve Gallo, NFL. And you know what? Hopefully, you have much better luck than you had in week one. And that means even if you have great luck, have better luck. But like everything else, and like always, get blitzed responsible. Cheers.